0: Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So today we're talking about organizational design.
1: Organizational design.
0: I guess I should ask you what that is, but first I'll say you are listening to Linear Digressions.
1: Yeah, organizational design is one of those things that if it's working really well, you don't notice it. But if it's not working well, it can make your life really miserable. And sometimes Mm. it's hard to figure out why.
0: Is this literally... The design of your organization, like the layout of your organization.
1: Yeah, and in particular, this is relevant for data scientists because, um, in well, in organizations in general, you have to make choices about how you're going to organize them. But for for data scientists especially, because it's such a new and cross-functional role that's got a lot of different elements to it, it's not always totally straightforward the way that the data scientists should be organized within their company, and so thinking through like what trade-offs you are okay with making is actually pretty important for the overall long-term effectiveness of a data scientist or this is this is most relevant for teams really um Mm -hmm. so mostly be talking about in the context of teams here
0: okay cool um yeah i guess we should dive in um where do you want to start
1: Uh, Well, let's start with just the idea of organizational design in general, and then we can dig into the particulars of data science. So you work at a software company. Um, I do. I'm imagining that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you do like front-end stuff. Is that right?
0: I do. Yeah, I do front-end stuff at Netflix. Um, We don't have any organizational design. It's just a free-for-all.
1: I don't believe that for a second. That's
0: not. That's not true.
1: No. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit about like what a team might look like at at Netflix, or you used to work at Facebook. You could use that as yeah. an example, just like we, you yeah. know, what a what a team is in software engineering.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, so I guess if you're sitting in the in the chair of an engineer at one of these companies, you might have a number of peers who are also engineers. You probably have a manager. That might be one manager for the entire team. You might actually have multiple managers and have your team kind of divided up in in certain ways. Like for example, your front-end people might be managed by someone and your back-end people might be managed by someone else. Um, For me, it was always the same manager for the team and then you also have all of these other uh these other people involved like you've got designers and they're up through a totally different reporting channel you've got pms project managers they make sure your stuff gets done on time and they also have a totally different reporting chain and then like at a higher level those teams may be organized within kind of a larger structure uh maybe you have a overarching section of the company like growth is an example right and you've got a bunch of teams in growth uh, and then people leading up for example the growth org or the uh, whatever other org and then those people report up the the management chain to the ceo ultimately
1: yeah so as you're a software engineer then there are a couple things that you're probably experiencing as you're working within the system on the one hand your day-to-day work on this like cross-functional team you're going to be interacting with you're a front-end developer but you're also going to be working with the back-end folks maybe Mm. a product manager a designer and so there's all of these different skills that you have to bring together in order to get anything accomplished right
0: have you ever seen a software engineer design software
1: oh like in terms of like the ui design
0: yeah i guess i'm saying (laughs) it's usually it doesn't usually turn out very well
1: (laughs) uh yeah Yeah, indeed. So like, those are, well, and and that's actually kind of what I wanted to emphasize in the second point is that, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, there are job titles and that, as you mentioned, there's like reporting structure that runs orthogonal to this, where the designers report to a head of design or the software engineers report to someone who is a you know, a software engineering manager, so that there's, as much as you're all mixing and mingling, there is some specialization that's yeah. um, especially pulled out during stuff like management. Um, I assume, you know, your manager, among other things, is thinking about things like career paths and yeah, performance management. Reviews. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You don't want uh, an engineering manager evaluating um, a graphic designer for example, maybe they could do a decent job of it. Maybe they're super talented, but really like even in management, you have people who have uh, some degree of specialization there.
1: Yeah. And that's pretty classic uh, for, for organizations of moderate to high, you know, size and complexity. A lot of times this is referred to as matrix management because the idea is that you have sort of an organizational structure and a functional structure, and those cut the two different ways
0: Right. Horizontally and vertically, vertically mm-hmm. being who you report to, horizontally being what who you are grouped with based on what you're doing every day.
1: Yeah. And so if you're a data scientist who's trying to fit into generally this kind of structure, I'm going to use the example of data scientists here. Uh, let's say you're a data scientist who's working at a software company, because I think that's a, that's a good place to start, but it's not the only model. So let's say you're a data scientist who's working at Netflix or Facebook or something like this then there are a few different ways uh, that you can be integrated into the structure, or not. So one natural question to ask yourself as a data scientist, or someone who's thinking about data science like integrated into this matrix structure, is do you have the data scientists leaning more onto the horizontal type part of the organization, or do you have them leaning more into the vertical?
0: What do you mean leaning on?
1: Yeah, that's not a great phrase. What I mean, basically, is that do you have the data scientists centralized into sort of their own group where Uh, they are interacting with each other all the time? Um, Obviously, probably some kind of implication about you report to a data science manager and are getting performance reviews from, say, if you're a junior data scientist, you're getting it from a data science team lead. Um, Sometimes this is called like the center of excellence model or a centralized model where the data scientists are all sitting together. So that would be slicing it sort of along the vertical axis. There's also another extreme where you could be sliced completely along the horizontal axis, which means that all of the data scientists who are at the company are embedded within those different cross-functional teams. So in addition to your engineers and your product managers and your designers and whatnot, there's also uh, the data scientists who are uh, part of that team. And everything that they do is just within the context of that team
0: interesting and so i guess your pros and cons come from i guess the perspective that you're considering like if you're considering if if you're looking uh taking a bird's eye view of the company and you're looking at all of the different teams each of the teams probably will perform better if you have all of the designer like the designer that's sitting with the team the data scientist that's sitting with the team so it's clearly much more efficient from a team perspective but then if you're looking from the individual perspective, like, where is that person getting mentorship? Are they having to walk across the building to be with anyone else who knows anything about what they're doing every day? You know, there's, there's the loneliness factor. There's the mentorship factor. There's the simple factor of being able to turn to a person next to you and saying, like, hey, I've got this problem. I'm not really sure how to solve it. What would you do? So, um, from an individual perspective, it, it makes a lot of sense to put all of your designers in one place, and put all of your uh, engineers in one place, and put all of your data data scientists in one place.
1: Yeah, and so a lot of the, I mean, as you pointed out, there's pros and cons to both of these models, and you know, there's there's no single right or wrong answer. But as I can feel you starting to circle around a little bit, um, what Many organizations start to settle on after a while is what we call a hybrid approach of these two these two extremes, which is sort of the data science version of what you were describing before, where for some purposes, the data scientists are centralized, and for other purposes, they're embedded. So what I mean by that is that your person management, your career paths, um, and your general kind of sharing of tips and tricks and best practices, you try to centralize that so that the data scientists feel like they have an identity as part of a team, they feel like they have peers yeah. and a and a way to grow, uh, but that their day-to-day work and their primary communication channels, the main areas of their expertise, maybe in some senses, are aligned directly with some of these, embedded within some of these product teams.
0: Right, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess you could do that by having individuals spend some of their time with one team and some of their time with their core team. Or you could even split it up by what the people are doing. For example, um, for engineering, if you're working more on infrastructure, you can't sit with the team that's using your component because a lot of teams are using your component. And so you probably want to sit with all of your other infra engineers. If you're doing something more specialized in your day-to-day work, Maybe you spend most of your time embedded with the team, knowing that there is a place that you can go to bounce ideas off of if you have a problem like that.
1: Yep. Now, this isn't the only; these aren't the only options uh, for how you can have your data science team organized. And it, I think it makes a lot of sense. These are some of the more natural options if you have data scientists who are actually working directly on products in like big technical organizations like the one that the ones that you work in like the one that I work in but a lot of data scientists are working at companies that are not tech companies right they're working at companies that make um, consumer packaged goods or that are uh, insurance companies or you know any any number of other things
0: yeah I guess where do those people sit
1: Yeah. And so they, depending on the the maturity of the analytics organization, they could could still borrow uh, sort of this model if it's a pretty teched up place. Um, But there are a few other types of models that you see in some places that, depending on the context, could make some sense. So one thing I'll call out is that sometimes the data scientists are just thinking about how to optimize the operations of the business itself. Like they might be doing things like reporting on key business intelligence metrics, and arguably maybe some people would even say that calling that data science is a little bit um, a little bit of a misnomer, but we'll leave that aside for a moment because I think sometimes that's just reality, is the people with the data scientist title are working on just metrics and dashboards. So there's that model where they're sitting perhaps in sort of the operations part of the company and just helping every quarter pushing out reports and updating dashboards and helping the general decision makers know what is the state of the company insofar as it can be measured with data. So that's that's a model. There's another model called uh, the consulting model. By the way, I'm taking a lot of this from uh, a really excellent blog post that was making the rounds on the interwebs recently um, by uh, Pardis Norzad. Uh, entitled Models for Integrating Data Science Teams Within Organizations. So we'll definitely have a link to this uh, on LinearDigressions.com. I I should have mentioned that up at the top. But um, another model is that sometimes the data science team is sort of centralized like before, but it gets loaned out to different parts of the organization for kind of like consulting, internal consulting projects.
0: So that could even be more than one individual from the data science team.
1: Uh, yes, and so it, it's this. These things start to really become important when you have a team and you're trying to coordinate the relationships amongst the members of those teams. If there's only one data scientist at an organization, then you know whether they sit embedded on a product team or they're more centralized. It almost looks the same, right? But in the consulting model, you have. Uh, these data scientists who are loaned out to the various teams on kind of a consulting basis, um, working on individual projects or where their skills are particularly needed, versus and then they, you know, will come back and then we'll rotate through to other teams versus on the embedded model where they're still there full time. So the consulting model has some nice nice advantages, especially if the teams aren't big enough or there isn't enough complexity to their data work that a full time embedded data scientist on a team. Makes sense. Uh, So with the consulting model, you can just be part-time, people can be spread around a little bit more, and you can do, you know, arguably a little bit more with less, uh, depending on the size of the organization.
0: That's funny. You know who else else uses that organizational model is um, bands. They've got touring dates, no one city owns them, and it definitely wouldn't make sense to split up the band and put one person in each city.
1: And then there's another model that I don't I hadn't even thought of before I read this article, but I think it's an interesting point. At some companies, their strategy is to make the data science uh, functionality spread across everyone in the organization. So it's not just a thing that's specific to the quote-unquote data scientists, but instead there's a certain level of data literacy that's expected of just everyone there in the course of their day-to-day jobs. And depending on the company, maybe this doesn't make a ton of sense for all the organizations, but you can imagine that maybe this is in the long run where the field is going, I mean, people in all different walks of life are being expected now to be more and more data literate. And so saying instead of having all of that, you know, data savviness centralized in one person or in one team, instead, it's just embedded in every single employee in the organization, which is um, pretty interesting.
0: You know, actually, this, this happens a lot with QA people. Some uh organizations will have people who are dedicated to testing the software that's produced. And some other organizations, like Facebook was like this for example, basically said, No, you know, you don't get a testing engineer. You are the engineer and you're responsible for testing the code that you write. In a sense, you're basically saying, Hey, everybody, all of the all of your engineers should be testing engineers.
1: Yeah, and so I think the the thing that's nice about that is it that- means that nobody nobody is off the hook for having to think about these things. Um, it's intellectually stimulating in some ways. On the other hand, maybe not for everyone. Like, I could imagine not everyone loving the time that they spend testing their software, but... Um and it also means that there isn't like a privileged class or an underclass or, or anything like that, any notion of Oh um, yeah certain types of work being only for certain types of I people that instead does, everyone yeah, that shares makes a it. Lot of sense. Yes. Now I think that for data science this can be pretty challenging because asking, you know, someone who's already an expert in presumably some kind of engineering field or is a full time product manager or whatever else to be um accountable for data science at the same level that you might expect of a like a classically trained data scientist. It puts a lot of responsibility on their shoulders, right?
0: Right. Yeah. That's rough.
1: Yeah, so I think that especially if you're in uh you know maybe a younger organization, a smaller organization that doesn't have dedicated data scientists yet because it's just not at that level of maturity where it needs them, then this is maybe the world that you live in. But at a certain point it probably does make sense to start having people who specialize in the data, certainly, and maybe even just have the title of data scientist.
0: Okay, so, Katie, um, not to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite uh, strategy of all of these? Of course, it depends, I guess, on the size of the company and all this stuff, but do any of them sing out to you?
1: Yeah, I've done, a f- I've had experience with a few of these models um, in my time leading, the, you know, working on data science teams, leading data science teams. Um, I think that the best one, the most stable one in the long term is the hybrid approach where you have the, the mentorship, the best practices, the career paths, that sort of thing centralized within a data science team or department. Um, but the people who are on that team spend most of their time embedded within teams uh, and doing work alongside engineers and product folks. I think that this is nice because it allows for, you know, the data scientists to be as close as possible to the work, which means there's a maximum chance of their work getting used and being relevant, but at the same time, allows some sense of shared identity and and shared best practices, which is important for data scientists. I think the downside is that there can be a fair amount of complexity and coordination that has to happen. And sometimes it's unclear what's what belongs in the centralized bucket and what should be uh, decentralized. For example, if you have some kind of you have a data scientist on one of your teams who recognizes that that team uh, builds a lot of models that go into production and they need to get a little more formal about a modeling release process. Is that something that should be just? built by that person independently and deployed on that team? Or is that something that should be centralized and owned by the whole data science team? And everyone then starts sharing that as a best practice. I just use this as a simple example. Um, But those are examples of things that when you have kind of one foot in one world and one foot in the other, there are then things that you have to think hard about which way you want to handle them because you don't have a default answer for some stuff. For you as a software engineer, how is does this mirror somewhat the way that you think about organizational structure for software engineers like what what resonates with you the most
0: um I, I think it definitely this definitely works when you're talking about specialization right uh, If you're at a company who has a lot of generalist engineers and those different generalist engineers kind of take on whatever is in front of them you don't really need the, I I guess you're large enough and generic enough that you don't need the same um, thought about, or maybe it's not that you don't need the same thought, but it's a different kind of organizational design that you need to think about. But yeah, specialization, definitely. And actually to answer the question I asked you, I agree with you. I prefer personally having uh, seen a couple of these organizational design structures. In my career, I prefer when things are separated out in that way, where you've got, um, you've got some pieces centralized and some pieces distributed. But the only thing that I would add is also asking the people who are being supported by the data science team to be responsible for some amount of the data work. So for example, um, they may be responsible for knowing how to use the reporting software, Right rather than them bothering a data scientist who maybe has better things to do than to run a report for them. They need to be responsible for for understanding how to run the report. Now, when things get more complicated, when you need to run a super complicated report or you need to actually do some investigation, that's when uh, an individual or a team might reach out to someone who specializes in data science. So um, I guess to, to kind of close out with an interesting observation... A lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, okay, for example, with organizational design, you could do this, or you could do that, or you could do this thing. And oftentimes none of those individual approaches, uh, work right off the bat. Oftentimes the solution is just some kind of weird blending together of all three of them. Uh, and that's what I would choose if I were to, if I were to choose a generic organizational design for a, for a company.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think some of these are naturally a little bit more flexible or more robust, but ultimately any of them can succeed or any of them can fail just based on the team that you have and what you're trying to achieve and how well it's executed. I mean, anything can look great on paper, um, but it's a little bit more about doing it really well day in and day out and tweaking the things that aren't working and being diligent about the things that are working so um but i think it is worth just mentioning that if you're say a data scientist at a company and you feel like you're pounding your head against the wall uh, especially things feeling harder than maybe they need to or less pleasant or interesting than they should maybe one of the things you need to think about is org design so hopefully between this episode and again we will have a link to some very excellent uh resources on this uh that gives you another thing to think about as you're going about your your day-to-day work at your job linear digressions
0: is a creative commons endeavor which means you can share or use it any way you like just tell them we said hi to find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to lineardigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at lineardigressions.com and katie at lineardigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn digressions Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.